You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news, the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. Tom Stanley in for Nick today on Cheltenham Eve, Monday the 14th of March. We know the fields for tomorrow's Cheltenham Festival, day one of it, and well, small fields really dominate the the headlines with just a a seven-runner National Hunt Chase, just a nine-runner Supreme Novices Hurdle. We'll know the... Uh, declarations for Wednesday's racing a little bit later today on Monday. We'll see if that's a, a theme throughout the week. That is something that Lee Mottershead, senior writer at the Racing Post, and I will be discussing in today's show. We will also be touching on some news from Newmarket on the flats. We will be hearing from Joe Tizard about his runners, him and his father's runners, Colin Tizard, at the festival. They've got a, a good amount of horses running this week. We'll hear from Jack Kennedy about his his chances this week, also his reflections on the fact that he sadly won't be riding Manila Indo on Friday and trying to defend the Cheltenham Gold Cup crown. But first of all, Lee, we're going to just reflect on the action we saw at Sandown this weekend on Paddy Power Imperial Cup Day. Was the win of surprise package for Irish trainer Peter Farr? He just a sign of things to come. It's, it's impossible to know, I think, at this age, Tom, but it clearly was an ominous sign. You had a horse who was racing off a mark six pounds higher than his Irish domestic rating. He was racing on ground that the trainer felt wasn't uh, ideal um, for the horse. And yet he still went and won at 20 to one by a, by a huge margin. Um, in that sense, it clearly does make you think, my goodness, what is there to come? He was a horse who had run a, a respectable but not outstanding race in one of the big Irish handicap hurdles, yet he was way too good for his, for his British counterparts. I think it raises two particular uh, questions. One is, is this a precursor for more Irish dominance this week? There certainly, almost certainly will be Irish dominance this week. But secondly, it raises questions about the handicaps in particular as well, because there has been this uh, attempt by the, the British handicapper to, to, to correct the marks of British horses, not particularly with a with a view to the Cheltenham Festival, but just that that feeling that the some horses were rated too highly, as a result of which your more exposed horses have been coming down the handicap more quickly, and your younger horses have been starting off on lower marks. Good thing, it, it's, it's a very perfectly sensible thing, but the result of which is when we get to the Cheltenham Festival, handicaps there are fewer British horses going to be in those races because they physically can't get in against the weight of the Irish opposition so I think what we saw on Saturday wasn't particularly the last point at all but I think that will be a thing through the festival not just of the Irish winning races but the Irish dominating handicaps numerically as well um, so it's going to be tough for the home team. Uh, is this if, if you're trying to explain it Lee um is this simply a case of two different systems colliding and uh, one system having a lot of overrated horses in comparison to perhaps the, the Irish system, which has um, some some underrated horses? And do we also see Irish horses being campaigned 
campaign slightly differently. I, I something that Jane Magan touched upon on, on the pod, uh, I think a week or so ago when I spoke to her, um, you know, horses that could make up into to future grade one performers, but the Irish are happy to run them by and large in handicaps and target Cheltenham handicaps with them. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I think actually um, it sort of works both ways too, Tom, in the sense that I think what you often see with our horses, the British horses, is they, they, they can arrive at a mark, so you, you can get up at a mark of 140 by perhaps winning a, a couple of relatively soft novice hurdles. Whereas you'll see Irish horses, particularly in races like the Martin Pipe, who've arrived at marks in the, in the late 130s, early 140s, but they've done that by running in graded races. So you've got a horse like Hollow Games, who I think it's off one four three in the Martin Pipe has finished third in two Grade One races. So he's achieved that rating by running in top company, and there's therefore that much more stability and solidity to to his mark. You can really believe that rating. Um, whereas some of the British horses, there's probably more questions about actually how legitimate their mark is and i think that plays a part too when we get to these children festival handicaps and then as jay says the the irish traders they're, they're not averse at all to running their graded horses in handicaps and that's partly i think because tom you've got yards like uh the elliot and mullin stables well it is those two stables in reality who bring such a wealth of power to the Cheltenham Festival, they, they can't and they don't need to run all their graded novices in graded novice races. Um, and therefore, you've got a horse like Stateman, for example, who um, has been being tipped all, all last week's at Cheltenham Festival preview nights for the county hurdle. In most other yards, he would probably be going for the Supreme Novices. But when he's got other ammo for that, for that race, so he can direct that horse towards the handicap. I feel like State Man is, is, the, is the horse that just dominated all the Cheltenham preview nights. It's, it's brilliant. And, we, you know, he's probably going to run in a county. But we'll see. Anyway, um, one other bit of news we haven't touched on on the pod yet. It was the question that, that um, Nick posed on Friday. Can you leave Jack Kennedy sat in the weighing room uh, for the Gold Cup? Well, it seems like you can because we now know that Robbie Power Lee is going to ride Manella Indo. And I can see this both ways, Tom. I, on, on the one hand, you can easily argue... It seems strange that the guy who won the Gold Cup on Manila Endo will not be riding Manila Endo and very possibly sitting in the weighing room while the race is taking place. Again, that it was early in the season that perfectly fairly Gordon Elliott said that Jack Kennedy is my jockey. I want him to ride one of my horses in the race in which Manila Endo was taking part. There's nothing wrong with that at all. If you're, if you're a trainer, you'd expect that to, to, to your, your jockeys. Um, and I think because there was a feeling that Jack Kennedy wouldn't be available for the Gold Cup, they approached Robbie Power. And if you're Robbie Power, you probably fairly ask the question, well, will that also lead to me riding the horse in the Cheltenham Gold Cup? It feels as though they had a handshake agreement almost with Robbie Power to ride the horse in the Gold Cup. He gave the horse a perfectly good ride um, at Leopardstown. And I can see why they feel honour bound to keep him on the horse. And of course, you've also got to make the point that Jack Kennedy has never had a long-term association with Manila Indo. He got that ride as a spare last season. It's a nice spare for Robbie Power this season. Here's what Jack had to say a little bit earlier on. Yeah, sure. Look, it's, uh, it's obviously very exciting. Uh, 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 Henry and Barry went on here for the major division, but there's not much more I can do. 
was it half expected on your part um or if somebody had said at the start of the season that you know you you wouldn't be bidding for for repeat success in the gold cup would you have been pretty surprised um yeah well sure obviously i uh, i worked for guard uh whenever he has run up and raised around the after all yesterday. If he wants me. Um then I suppose I came a little bit early on the Nelly and I'm hoping that I might get back on it, but I wasn't uh I wasn't certain obviously, but uh yeah, it's a good workout which is uh that's just the way it is, yeah. Um, all right, so look if I can ask you for a, an objective view then on, on the, the race itself and, and specifically with Manella Rindo and I guess Galvin, a, a horse you know pretty well. Do you, do you feel it? Yeah. Do you feel it's shaping up to be a you know a, a Gold Cup as good as last year, better than last year, not as deep as last year? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be a great race. Uh, uh, I'm not sure Interesting stuff. Um, all right, look. Um, more positively, you've got uh, as many rides as you could have on Tuesday. You, you, you've got six rides: um, yeah. Mighty Potter, Riviera de Tell, Death Duty, Zanahir, Queensbrook. The tide turns. Who would be your best chance of them, Jack? Um, they, they all, they all have good chances. Mighty Potter might just be a, a little bit, you know, forgotten as a as a top level winner. But he's just, I guess, because yeah. he's been beaten. It's you know, he he's behind a good few in the market here who unbeaten Jack. Yeah, yeah, I think so. To be honest, um, um, he 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 is a great chance. Um, I think the 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 two miles suits and wants to run at a fast pace. It's a really good one. So. Um, how does Riviere de Tell reverse the Dublin Racing Festival form? Um, just not make a mistake like she made at the last in Leopardstown, and I think she'll 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 reverse it. I know she's uh, she's not getting as much weight as she was in in Leopardstown, but um, I think uh, I think the stiff finish will really suit her as well. Yeah. Did you go into the stewards room thinking you might just get the race, Jack? Yeah, I was nearly certain I was going to get it. But, uh, it didn't work out on the day, but uh, that's the racing. How do you feel about Cheltenham for her? Yeah, I think I think it really suits her. Um, like I said, the stiff finish will suit her. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed she'll, she'll be bang there anyway. Uh, all right, last, last horse I'll, I'll touch upon for Tuesday is Zana here in... Uh, well, look, a decent-sized field champion hurdle, but I guess it's initially about one, what, maybe two horses with appreciated as well. How do you feel about Zanahir's chances? Um, yeah, sure, look, um, Honeysuckle is, is obviously the, the horse to beat. Um, appreciated, he hasn't had a run this year, but um, sure, Willie Mullins will have him, have him as good as he can have him. Um, Zan here, I think I think he has a, a massive, a massive each way chance. Um, he'll definitely run a massive race, and he 
Just on on the rest of the week, obviously you got some great chances on Tuesday. I mean, Gordon's sending over an army of horses. Is there one horse in particular for the rest of the week that you're really looking forward to partnering, Jack? Um, I suppose Gintel and the Albert Barclays. Um, he'd be he'd be probably one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, he's had to he's had to do all the dogs work for himself all year. If there's something that will go on and make the run, uh, it'll suit him even better. And um, there'll be no doubt about staying with him either. So, um, yeah, he's fairly straightforward. Last question. If you could ride Bob Ollinger or Galapin Deschamps in a Turners, who would you choose? Uh, Galapin Deschamps. You don't get a much more concrete answer than that. Listen, Jack, I appreciate your time. I know you're, you're about to fly, so um, thanks for this, and we wish you the very best. Uh, well, no doubt who um, Jack Kennedy would ride in the Turners between those uh, two standout Irish horses. Um, just by and large on, on his week, um, you know, he, he's part of a travelling team, the Gordon Elliott Yard, who are sending over some serious ammo for the Cheltenham Festival this year. It's extraordinary, Tom. So I, I'm, I'm speaking to you now looking out across Cheltenham Race Course, bathed in sunshine. And I was also here this time yesterday Gordon Elliott was the first of the, the top Irish trainers to be physically present at Cheltenham. And just chatting to him in the middle of the course yesterday while the gallops were taking place was to see a man who was almost bursting with excitement. Uh, obviously, he wasn't here last year. We know why he wasn't here last year, but he's, he's back this season and he is back with an incredibly strong team. Um, the, 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 the size of his attacking some of the handicaps, I think, will be will be um, extraordinary. He's equally powerful in, in the graded races. It wouldn't be at all a surprise if he beat Willie Mullins to the top trainer award at this meeting. And you just rattle through some of his horses. And even, I, say, I think almost particularly outside of the grade ones are a horse, I think, yeah, that, that really is a, a horse who's, who's worth backing at a decent price. I, I'm very keen on Sierra de Burley in the... In the Potemps, he's got a horse called San Felicia in the Coral Cup, who looks like it could be a grade one horse and a handicap. But the one that he keeps going back to is, is Tiger Roll. Yesterday, during second lot of Gordon String on in, in, the, in the cross country, in the middle of the track, the cross country course, Tiger Roll was messing around the circle in which he was walking, and Gordon was saying, That's what you want with Tiger Roll. You want him to be messing around. Uh, he looks like a horse who's primed to run a big race. And you know, you speak to people, Tom in the build-up to the Cheltenham Festival, and you just sense when you're speaking to someone who thinks one of their horses is going to win. And I really think that Gordon Elliott thinks Tiger Roll is going to win the cross-country chase. And my goodness, if he does, the reception that horse gets could well be the, the, the highlight of this whole festival. What do we make of the small fields, Lee? Having spent much of the podcast last week, these are the, the, the small fields, I suppose, in particular for two of the races tomorrow, the uh, Supreme and the National Hunt Chase. Um, uh, given the fact that on the podcast last week, we discussed the fact that there could be another day added onto this festival in due course. Yeah, well, I, I think the, the small fields is a legitimate concern, Tom. Um, it's the second year in a row that the Supreme Novices Hurdle will be run with a single, a single figure field. It's a quality Supreme Novices, but we are not used to Supreme Novices Hurdles having nine runners. That's strange. The Champion Hurdle only has 10 runners and we're sort of getting used to that. That never used to be the case when two mile hurdling was a different sort of beast 
to what we've got now. And you had loads of horses coming off the flat that would regularly get huge figures, huge fields, 17, 18, 19, 20 runners would, would be a norm for a champion hurdle. It's a race that looks and feels different now. The National Hunt Chase tomorrow has seven runners, which is desperately disappointing. And I think the fact that there is only one British trainer represented in that race um, is a very stark reminder of where we where we are now. It's been suggested that because the, the rules have been changed in terms of the jockeys for the, the National Chase and the qualifications they have to go through, that that might be a factor. That doesn't explain why we only have seven runners in the National Chase and one British trainer with two horses in, in that contest. You look at the Ballymore on, on Wednesday. We're speaking now, Tom, before the, the decks are made for Wednesday's races, but only three of the 18 horses entered in that race are trained in Britain. The Turner's novice is changed. It looks like a it's going to be a a match between Galapanda, Shaw and Bob Ollinger. There were suggestions that it actually physically might be a match with, with just two horses. I'm sure that won't be the case. I suspect we'll get four or five. But that is not something to, to celebrate. And I think the whole, the whole story of, of small fields, which was a factor at last season's festival when people said it was down to social runners, I think there's more to it than that. And I think it, it, does, it does provide a backdrop to this debate about a five-day um, Cheltenham Festival. On the one hand, the jockey club or the people within the jockey club who support the idea of a five-day festival will say, well, it's not really a big issue because you're only going to need to have two, two extra races. But it does seem to me um, an issue that we should be considering going into this festival. Should you really be extending the meeting and bringing in new races at a time when some of the existing races are looking pretty desolate in terms of the number of horses taking part in them i i'm not sure you you should really and i also think that that argument that we're only going to bring in it, it, that means that you're going to have five six race cards if a paying customer who goes to one of the Cheltenham festival days and you're used to seven races and you end up with six you are you are missing out and i think the festival will be poorer for six months too so i've, I've laid my cards on the table in advance I, i'm not a supporter or a fan of the idea at all i can see the idea why they want to extend the festival to a saturday and that does make perfect sense my, my other half isn't interested in in race in particular but he finds it completely bizarre that our biggest meeting doesn't conclude on a day when more people can go but the jockey club made the point that four days wednesday to saturday doesn't work because commercial is actually less viable because the hospitality business on a saturday is less than it would be midweek so to go on a saturday you almost have to be five days lots of things to weigh up lots of pros and cons the cons outweigh the pros and I think that's been the consensus on the podcast all week, uh, all last week. Um, right, spoke to Joe Tizard earlier, got a, a good update, very thorough update on, on all of that Yards Lightly Runners this week at Cheltenham. I, I started uh, talking about what his best chance of the week was. I think the, the main chance would be Amarillo Sky in the Grand Annual. Um, you know, he's, he's a progressive young novice who's, who's done well this season and, and gone up through the ranks the last twice here. Well, he's unlucky the first time at Newbury fell to out and looked like he was going to win. And the last time at Newbury, he was seriously impressive. Um, I think he's a progressive young horse who, who ticks. He's a real good traveller, ticks a lot of boxes for, for a grand annual. And the the ground, I mean, we know what we're, we're likely to be. Obviously, it's, it's a grand annual on the old course nowadays. Um, that That's spot on for him, is it? Sort of, you know, good to soft, anything like that's perfect? Yeah, he's um, he can, he can handle any ground, but he's not he's not short of a gear. So um, but a good soft will be perfect for him. Well, did you start off the season with him uh, expecting him to 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 run in a Grand Annual and to and to make it up into that kind of horse? 
yeah, we wondered whether he might whether he might make up into an Arkle horse, to be honest. But mm. he um, but then just mid season, he he just just was struggling a little bit. So we so then we thought he'd he'd, he'd be a handicapper. So um, yeah, he's, he was bought with a big reputation. He was he was slow coming to hand last last year. Then sort of got his act together at the back end of the season, and um, we just had a really good summer and. And we felt these a horse that could um, could progress over a fence, and that's exactly what he did. I feel like um, I've spent uh, you know this year, I suppose off the back of last year with, with your yard, Joe, where where you know you you didn't have the most consistent year, sort of trying to find where where you are, and and it definitely feels like you're coming to the boil at the right time, going into the spring. Is that is that how you're feeling? Yeah, I think well, I think we've had a pretty strong season. We're a little bit quiet through December. Um, and then they decided we backed off them over Christmas, and then they've come right again. Um, you know, we, we've it, we're in a bit of a like, people say it, we're in a bit of a transitional period, you know, where 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 the big names have, have done their job and and retired, and and this the next one's coming up through. And um, you know, we, when we started the season, we had we had thirty two unraced horses. Mm. Um, so and a lot of babies and things and it, it's just that's it. But I think that the, the horses are in lovely form. You know, nothing better with four winners and the week leading up to Cheltenham. So it's um, you know, whatever anybody says, it's it's lovely to go there full of confidence and in, in the horse knowing the horses are in good health. Mm. Good job you didn't run anything in the Imperial Cup because you might have struggled. I definitely would have struggled <laughs> in an Imperial Cup with with anything. But, um, <laughs> we, we, did you ever have anything on, on? Did you have anything possibly or not? No, no, we haven't. We we haven't really got a, a, a top two mile handicapper at the moment. Um, what well, just, just sort of more generally, ha, ha, do you feel it has become harder to win races at the Cheltenham Festival? I'm not just trying to pitch this as a sort of Anglo Irish debate, but just just in gen- general. I mean, your your last winner was Native River in the Cheltenham Gold Cup, but it was four years ago. Has it become harder? I don't know if it's got home. It was never very easy. Um, True. You know, it's, it's you know, uh, racing is very competitive at the moment, full, full stop. You know, the whole English-Irish thing, that they had a fantastic year last year, and they, at the moment they've got the best horses. So I don't think their sort of edge is going to change in the next few years because they've got the best youngsters coming through. So if you win, a, if you win an, all the novice hurdlers, those horses are either going to become champion top herd top hurdlers all, all their novice chasers next year so you've got to take them on for a few years but I, I think that the 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 title changed slightly um, I don't think it's any more competitive but it, it is as competitive as ever mm. um, so it should be you know this, we're not going there for, for an easy option that's for certain one thing that um, it seems this year is that um, well there are just fewer handicap entries as a whole do you and um, do you think you know from your point of view that might be because well have you entered fewer horses in the handicaps because you think they might be tougher to win or not necessarily? Well, we've got a few handicappers, but you've you've also you've got to you've got to enter in races where where you can you think you can be competitive and and if you're you know there's there's not much fun going to if you're going to Cheltenham with with what you can work out to be a live each way chance and it's worth doing if. If you don't think you're going to be competitive, then there's plenty of options either side, and um, that are possibly easier. I'm looking forward to seeing both your horses in the in the Ultima. 
um, Oscar Elite and Lost in Translation. You've obviously had a good look at that Ultima stat that horses in first time head here do very well, Joe. Such a shrewdy with Lost in Translation. <laughs> You're such a shrewdy. I just learned that stat. <laughs> with him, it's the first time he's ever run in a handicap, actually. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a bit hit and miss at the moment. He, he's, as he's got older, he's become very ground dependent. And. Um, Oh, it just felt, we, we, we just felt that like the ground's going to be ideal for me. He needs good ground now. One five five. If you, if you go back to his form at um, at Ascot in the autumn, you know he should be competitive off a mark like that. The teak pieces are just to push him, just push him through um, the pain barrier, but just make sure he's going through with it. You know, he's, mm. it's just a couple of times where he's just folded a bit a bit tamely for our liking. Um, I did totally putting full blinkers on him, but. I, I didn't want him to tank too much early doors because if he does get going, then he can he can travel. And you know, I keep watching back the the, the Gold Cup from a couple of years ago, and he he travelled everywhere. Well, if he did, the, if that horse turned up, then um, then he, then he'd be banging that two out in an Ultima. Has he just? What would be the difference between a, a, the Lost in Translation now and the Lost in Translation of, of two and a bit years ago, three years ago? Just consistency, you know. I think the engine's still there. Um, you know, we took him for a for a spin round. Um, took him for a spin round of local point to point course last week, and put little Freddie on him at sixteen. He absolutely ran away with him the whole <laughs> way, and he stood outside every wing, and and you know that it looked like the horse of old. But it's just consistency with him a little bit. Um, would that have been a difficult choice for for Brendan? I think so. Yeah, I think. I'd, you know, it just Brendan has. I don't think he's had the best of Oscars elite. You know, he was travelling well when he fell behind three hundred through five first time out, and then then he's just been gone off the boil a little bit, which is which has dropped him to a, a, a seriously workable mark. And I just feel that I think that um, I think that the fit, Brendan got a good feel off the loss of translation in the autumn, and and knows that he's knows that he's on good ground. He is somewhere near that, and uh, so that was that was his choice. Eldorado Allen, Ryanair, all set. Yeah, yeah, he's in lovely form. Um, you know, he, he, he was second in an article last year, won a Holden Gold Cup, he's progressed up through. I don't think, well, the handicap I put him up 11 for winning the Denman, which I felt was I felt was a bit over the top. I thought it was a race that we could find out if he, could, if he got three miles and also... I thought the ground was going to be a little bit good over two, over three, around Newbury for Royal Bagal. And, you know, there's a couple of question marks about Plan de Zobo in, in that at the time. So it, it just felt that Demon was, was a race he could possibly nick. Um, and, he, and he did. But, you know, the, the handicapper thought it was a, a proper performance. He's, he's good around Cheltenham. Um, Alaho looks like he's going to take an awful lot of beating. But, um, but but he goes there in good form, you know. He's in 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 the best form of his life, and um, there's no reason why he can't. Why he wouldn't have a great each way chance, and then you should never be afraid of one. Did, was the Gold Cup ever a possibility after that Newbury win? <laughs> no, right. that's what happens when we let Dad go racing for a, for a day on his own. And, um, <laughs> so he sort of said it, but we, we, I discussed it with John and Terry. Uh, if it was ten grand, I think they they they, they might have done, but. Not for not for thirty thousand, and and I don't think the horse, you know, I don't think he he needs to be three mile two in a in a gold cup yet. I think we can sort of next year we could possibly start at a Charlie Hall or something in a King George, and 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 next year he might be ready. Mm. This year we're only 
There's a big difference between three miles around Newbury and three miles two in the Gold Cup. It wasn't his fault because Native River was parading just after the race, so it was it was all coming together. He, you, you just won the Dem, and Native River was making his way around. I don't blame Colin. What, what else was he going to say? <laughs> Yeah, we don't know. I'm going to stop him speaking too often. <laughs> um, all right, just just lastly on tomorrow, um, is is JPR1 just making up the numbers, Joe? I think he's struggled to uh, struggle to beat the top three or four, but he's a better horse than 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 what he's shown is the last time in the Betfair. You know, he, he won his first two of his first three. He was second around Cheltenham, and you know, we think he'll learn more going there tomorrow than than anywhere else. To be honest. So we're going to drop him in a little bit because he he, he ran with a choke out in the Betfair and um and just. Try, try and try and nick a little bit and, and see where we can finish. But um, yeah, I want him to just go and have an experience. We're not chasing a championship or, or anything like that. Where we need to, like we need to be, we need to be in you know to, to run away from the good horses. I want him to go there, learn about the Channel Festival, and that sort of stand him in good stead for the future. What? Why are there only nine runners in the Supreme? Do you think? Because the top, the top four look look serious horses. As simple as that. Um, you know, there's people aren't just going there to make up the numbers. It, although there's only nine, I think it's an ultra competitive race, and I, I'm sure it'll be as exciting turning in as, as it would have been um, had there been fifteen runners. Mm. Um, same sort of question, Warlord. Really, is a is a big price. He's too big a price, I think. Um, he, he deserves. He's done nothing wrong this season. Improved over fences. He was second in the in the Henry VIII behind Edwards Town, and um, and then he won nicely at, at, at Lingfield. Um, you know, he's he's going there because he's he's just about just about in touch on the ratings, and he deserves to take his chance in it. Um, I, he's he's too big a price. I could see him running into a place. Lovely stuff. Thanks, Joe. Good luck. Time now to tell you about the Gold Cup Day hospitality raffle that the Jockey Club have put on. Go to the Jockey Club website and you can buy a £10 raffle ticket for your chance to win one of 24 pairs of hospitality tickets to the Boodles Gold Cup. And all funds raised through this charitable promotion will be donated to the British Red Cross Ukraine Appeal. The raffle closes today at 3 p.m. No raffle tickets will be able to be purchased outside of that time, after that time, and 24 winners will be drawn as part of a random number generator at 5 p.m. today. The winners will be contacted this evening between 6 and 8 p.m. Head to that Jockey Club website for more information, and as I say, it's all in association with a fabulous cause. And a timely reminder, too, of the ongoing Tote 1000 competition, which you'll have heard plenty about on the Nick Luck Daily last week. There are 1,000 places, it's free to join, and there's a total prize pot of £55,000. The Cheltenham Festival Champion Prize is £10,000. For more details on the Tote 1000 competition, head to tote.co.uk forward slash promotions forward slash tote 1000. Okay, Lee. Um, New market. Do you have some news for us there before perhaps we return to Cheltenham? Yes. So we've got, we've got a little um, scoopy uh, in the post today. I've been speaking to people within the, the jockey club last week or so about 
Now, it's, it's hard to get the right word for this, Tom. It's not a plan. It's not a proposal. I think they're talking about it as a, as a concept of vision for an all-weather race course in Newmarket. It's not the first time we've heard this. In 2017, when it was announced that Kempton was up for closure, which thankfully it's not anymore, part of that blueprint for the future would have been uh, Kempton's all-weather track in effect being on the track at Newmarket in the Lynx area of the race course. Now, please, that didn't happen because Kempton wasn't close and Kempton survived and will survive. Um, but the, new, the Jockey Club has revived the idea for an all-weather race course in Newmarket. If it happened, and it wouldn't be for at least five years, it would be on the race course side area of the town, close to the, close to the Rowley Mile. In theory, it would be a conventional right-handed floodlit oval. Um, but it would form part of a much wider project that would include starter yards, uh, training grounds, potentially a country park um, for locals and residential development. And including, I think, residential development, bearing in mind the past of Newmarket, we won't remember the Hatchfield uh, farm debate. That will be, I think, a big subject when this goes to a public consultation, which is due to take place in Newmarket towards the end of this month, over three days. Locals will be asked to give their views on what they think about it. I think the, the new market racing community has not surprisingly, not surprisingly given very positive feedback to Jockey Club. They would love the idea of, a, of an all-weather race course in Newmarket. It would mean less travelling for them, but there'll be many people who don't like the idea if, you, if you're linked to Chelmsford race course, which gets loads of new market runners and offers really good prize money. You would be very worried indeed, I think, about the idea of a new, an all-weather race course in Newmarket. Lee, uh, thank you very much. Do we return to Cheltenham for a tip now, or are you going with today? No, I think it would be disappointing, Tom, to go today. I think we have to Good. go for, to Cheltenham for a tip. And I am going to go with one that I, I gave last night at a, in a, uh, a barn at the, the, the local pub in Bretforton of Phil Smith, the former BHA handicapper. I tip there, I'm tipping now, Sia de Belay. In the, in the Pertemps final on Thursday. I think they've been really clever to aim the dual winner of this race at the race again, one year after he finished second in the Stayers hurdle. Um, my argument is based on the fact that he's run to marks in the mid-160s, the last two Cheltenham festivals. He's rated 156 for this, but the very, very good amateur Rob James is set to take four, uh, seven pounds uh, off his back. So it'll almost feel like he's running off off 149. Robbie's great value for that £7 claim. I think Sia de Belay has got a great chance in the Potemps. And he, Tom, is my Cheltenham Festival nap for you. A motter's head nap for the Cheltenham Festival. Lee, a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Nick will return to you tomorrow for the Nick Luck Daily from day one of the Cheltenham Festival 2022. Bye-bye. <laughs>